Welcome to the Mass Device Fast Five MedTech News Podcast, the show that keeps you up to date on the latest breakthroughs in medical technology with the top five news stories to get your day started. Today is April 25th. I'm your host, Danielle Kirsch, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Sean Hooley. How are you doing today, Sean? I'm doing good, Danielle. How are you? I'm also doing all right. We have a little bit of diabetes news and some more robotic surgery news today, I see. So why don't we just get started? What do we need to know to get the day started? Sure. Let's start with the FDA approving the next generation Minimed 780G insulin pump for Medtronic. So it's a massive step, obviously, you know, massive med tech company, plenty of offerings, but this is, you know, some of the biggest news out of their diabetes business for a long time. Yeah, for sure. So what exactly makes this next gen system different from its previous models? Well, for stars, it's got the latest uh, sensor technology from Medtronic as well, the Guardian 4 sensor, requiring no finger sticks uh, while in what's called smart guard mode. It also offers meal detection technology that provides automatic adjustments and corrections to sugar levels every five minutes for both basal and bolus insulin needs. So effectively, altogether, it offers insulin to account for when users forget to bolus or underestimate the number of carbs in their meal. So it's it's a massive step forward in terms of... Uh, handling carb counting for people with diabetes. That finger stick news is, I know it's a super important thing for people who have diabetes. Just the other day, uh, someone I know was saying that they have been using diabetes technology that doesn't require finger stick anymore. So that's that's some really good news. That being said, what features set the pump apart from its competitors? So the biggest thing about it is that it features glucose target settings as low as 100 milligrams per deciliter, which Medtronic says is the lowest offered by any automated insulin pump on the market. Uh, It also closely mirrors the average glucose of somebody not living with diabetes. So essentially, it allows the pump to treat to target, as Medtronic says, automatically delivering basal insulin adjustments and auto corrections to set a target. Additionally, it has uh, it's the only pump on the market with an infusion set with a wear time of up to seven days, which the company actually launched uh, last fall, uh, doubling its previous wear time. Wow, that's amazing. And I know this news comes as Medtronic has had some some recent cloudy days. For example, it began laying off workers in earnest last week and continues to promise significant expense reductions. How did investors react to this FDA approval? Yeah, it's definitely positive because even going back a couple of years, uh, the diabetes business in particular received a FDA warning letter for some in irregular like processes at the diabetes facility in California. It was also rumored that the diabetes business was being considered as an option to spin off or sell. So for this news to come through, the investors reacted very positively. And actually some uh, analysts at Barclays and Wells Fargo upgraded Medtronic and the stock has been on the rise today. So definitely a strong response. Mm, Interesting. I didn't know Medtronic was gearing up for a spinoff of its diabetes tech recently, but you just talked to somebody from their diabetes division today, right? Yep. And I should stress, uh, it looks less likely now that that spin or sell would happen. Uh, It was just a rumor from analysts that saw diabetes as one of the possibilities. But I spoke with uh, Q Delara, the head of the Medtronic diabetes business briefly this morning, just to get an idea of what this approval means and where the company's headed. And they're they're very excited. They think it's a a massive step forward. And, you know, in terms of the artificial pancreas, they want to be the leader in that space. And it's uh, this is a big step for that. Awesome. What else should we know for the day? Well, Philips uh, reported its first quarter earnings, uh, which included a big step forward in their massive restaurantics recall. They released uh, some financial numbers around a litigation provision. And what were some of the financial highlights of this earnings release? Well, the company posted a 6% revenue growth year over year, driven by its diagnostics and treatments, as well as connected care, which offset 
some of the sleep therapy losses that obviously had been impacting its results over the past two years since the recall came into play. But the revenues of $4.6 billion and adjusted EPS of $0.24 cents per share, both top Wall Street estimates. So a good good quarter all around financially, and its stock has been on the rise all day. So the street is reacting in kind. That's interesting. Philips has obviously been facing some of the most notable medical device recalls in recent history, and it's now embattled in a class action suit in the U.S. related to the Respironics recall. And you mentioned this new recall litigation provision. What exactly does that mean for Philips? Yeah. So the company said as part of its financial disclosures, it made a 634.1 million or 575 euro litigation provision related to the anticipated resolution of the recall related economic loss from the class action suit in the US. We've obviously been doing extensive coverage of the recall. I suggest anyone who wants to read up on it, we have a whole timeline that Chris Newmarker put together that covers it from, I believe, June or July 2021 all the way through today. And the company's hit some snags in its remediation. And it's just, it's been a problem for the last two years or so. But CEO Roy Jacobs said the provision is an important step in resolving the mess. And so clearly the company sees it as a positive despite the high costs that are associated with it. And we're obviously going to continue covering this. Like like Sean said, we have a whole timeline on the Mass Device website covering every aspect of the Philips recall. So we'll be sure to keep everyone up to date on that as time goes on. What else should we know to get the day started? Well, Smith and Nephew unveiled a new handheld digital tensioning device for robotic knee surgery. So a new digital tensioner that goes along with the Cori robotic system for orthopedic robot assisted surgery. As we promised earlier, more robotic surgery news. So what does the digital tensioner device do? Well, Smith and Nephew describes it as a purpose-built device for measuring the ligament tension in a knee prior to cutting the bone. So it enables the surgeon to quantify joint laxity in the native knee and achieve an optimal ligament tensioning force. Basically, the company said it helps to reduce variability when balancing the knee in surgery, uh, and it makes surgical planning more objective uh, compared to other commercially available alternatives, according to Smith and Nephew. Mm, interesting. And so how does it supplement the Cori robotic assisted surgery system? So it gives a surgeon defined quantifiable force to distract the knee joint, applying consistent tension to ligaments, and it provides objective gap data for procedure planning and execution. The company said a small clinical case series demonstrated reduced tensioning variability by 64% compared to a manual technique. And it says it's the only ligament tensioning device in robotic assisted surgery to assess joint laxity in the native knee before performing bony resection. So the company is stressing the data. It uses a software interface that allows surgeons to choose their preferred target force value. And the data that it collects enables what appears to be a much easier robot assisted surgery process. We've said it once, we've said it again, we will always monitor robotic surgery. We always have some sort of a countdown or roundup on the website of robotic assisted surgery to look out for. So this is this is good news. More on the horizon for sure. <laughs> What is the next thing that we should know to get our day started? Axonics acquires tech to expedite placement of implantable leads in sacral neuromodulation, sacral neuromodulation. So they acquire lead placement technology from Radian that speeds up the placement of implantable leads for the neuromodulation. And what does that acquired technology have the potential to do? Well, it could reduce procedure times and enable more accurate placement of temporary leads during peripheral nerve evaluation. So it has a software application and hardware hardware tool that simplifies, speeds up, and enhances the accuracy of peripheral nerve evaluation lead placement, potentially you know, helping physicians' confidence in the procedure increase. 
because of this uh, additional accuracy. Gotcha. How exactly does that technology work? So it uses a standard x-ray image of a patient's pelvis, and the physician can use the software to determine the optimal location for needle entry and lead placement based on the patient anatomy. So clearly it offers a lot of flexibility there, and it can be implemented into existing clinical workflows. It only takes minutes to use and requires minimal training. So all around, it seems like a massive step up for efficiency. Yeah, for sure. What are some of the thoughts of the executives at the company regarding the acquisition? Well, Exonix CEO Raymond Cohen said that he expects the Radian technology to improve patient comfort, increase physician confidence and access, and simplify the learning curve for physicians who are new to the neuromodulation process and increase their trial success rates. Basically, he thinks that the outcome is more adults being treated with the company's therapy and that in their view and in most views would be a good thing. Awesome. And we'd be remiss if we didn't touch on this last one. What is the last thing that people need to know to get their day started? Yeah, so at the end of last week, uh, Bloomberg reported that Boston Scientific may be considering buying Shockwave Medical, uh, which would be a pretty big acquisition for the company. Uh, One thing that stuck out was that analysts suggested that Boston Scientific doesn't really make big acquisitions, but this comes with a apparently a market value of approximately $9.6 billion. So that would be a massive, massive uh, investment for Boston Scientific if it, if it were to go through. Yeah, I was going to say this would be a major acquisition for the company if it were to happen. I mean, Shockwave earlier this month acquired NeoVasc for $147 million. And I know Boston Scientific completed an M&A deal with Apollo into surgery for $615 million. So how would this acquisition supplement Boston Scientific's portfolio? It was suggested that it would be a big boost for the cardiovascular portfolio by adding an option for the interventional treatment of atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. That was a mouthful. And uh, one thing that is sort of questionable over this acquisition or the proposed acquisition is that there could be an antitrust risk, according to uh, BTIG analyst Marie Tibault. So she said that Boston Scientific's existing rotational atherectomy system portfolio could potentially throw a wrench in the mix, uh, despite the fact that they could potentially argue the differences between what's in their portfolio and what they would get from Shockwave. Mm, Gotcha. What exactly does Shockwave do? The company develops IVL or intravascular lithotripsy, which is the differentiated and proprietary local delivery of sonic pressure waves for treating calcified plaque. Safely modifies calcium while significantly reducing the risk of complications, making the procedure more predictable and efficient. So should Boston Scientific be able to add it to its portfolio if this you know goes any further? Obviously, it's just a report, just a rumor at this point, but it would be a, a big boost for their portfolio. Yeah. And you briefly mentioned analyst reaction with the antitrust news. Um, Did analysts have anything else to say about it? Yeah, well, uh, Tibault actually wrote, this deal wouldn't come as a complete surprise to us, uh, effectively saying that Shockwave's treatment has taken significant market share in years and combining it with the existing offerings at Boston Scientific makes strategic sense to her and the BTIG team. She called Shockwave a high-quality asset that trades at a premium valuation to its medtech peers. So definitely a strong endorsement from the analysts that would say this is a good deal, but also it's going to take a lot of money. Um, And BTIG said that they expect Boston Scientific to require equity to fund any acquisition of Shockwave. Hmm. Interesting. Thank you, Sean, for your insight and knowledge today. And that's all we have for the Fast Five. Uh, but you can read more on the Mass Device website and check out show notes at massdevice.com slash podcast. And you can connect with us online as well. I'm on Twitter at Danielle underscore Kirsch, K-I-R-S-H. And Danielle Kirsch on LinkedIn. What about you, Sean? 
uh, I would say connect with me on LinkedIn, S-E-A-N-W-H-O-O-L-E-Y. Happy to, happy to connect. Subscribe to the Mass Vice Fast Five wherever you listen to podcasts and share this episode. Join us tomorrow for your daily MedTech News Roundup. Thank you for listening. Thank you.